The English word Christ, it comes from the Greek word Christos, and it's the equivalent of the Hebrew word Mashiach, or as it's been uh, anglicized, Messiah. But both terms, both Christos and Mashiach, they come from the, the verb meaning to anoint with sacred oil. And so when these verbs are used as nouns or as titles, it, it translates to something like this, the one who is anointed or the anointed one. And that title was given to Jesus in the New Testament. It signifies his office as the anointed savior. And it introduces the fact that he is capable, that he is qualified for the task of saving his people. This is what the anointed one, the Messiah, was to do. And so the, the title Messiah has quite a bit of history that's attached to it. And this morning we'll briefly look at a few, or this, I'm sorry, this, this evening we'll look at a few uh, of the pieces attached to that information or that title. The, long had the Jews awaited their Messiah, their deliverer, their anointed one. The world had been anticipating its savior as well. The earliest mention of the Messiah is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Adam and Eve had chosen to disregard the good commands that God had given them. And in rebellion, not absent-mindedness, but rebellion, they did the one thing that God had told them, commanded them not to do. Now, they were tempted by Satan, but they willingly chose. And as a result, our first parents were banished from the garden. And from that point onward, sin would plague their descendants, both in temptation as well as consequence. And speaking to the serpent in the presence of our first parents, Adam and Eve, Yahweh said this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Hopefully it'll be on the screen for you. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God says, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between the serpent and mankind, between her offspring and his. And the offspring, singular, of the serpent will have his head bruised and the offspring, singular, of the woman will have his heel bruised. God is saying that a war had begun. Hope, love, joy, peace, and all that, that had once been enjoyed there in the garden were now absent, introduced to the world in its place by that one act was fear, hatred, anxiety, and tribulation. We still feel the effects of that today. Even this year, we feel it especially true, don't we? Not only do we feel its effects, but we contribute personally to its force in a compounding manner. And you recognize that in your own life. You, you probably have said something like this or you've thought something like this. I do the thing that I wish I wouldn't, and because of that, I cause the thing that I don't want. You do the thing that you wish you wouldn't, and you cause the thing that you don't want. This has been true of every man and woman that claims or can be claimed to be a descendant of Adam and Eve. But the words of Yahweh, the words of God spoken that day was one of promise. 
Yes, they have made a mess. Yes, there would be hostility between Satan and between mankind. But God is saying, I will send a deliverer. I will send an anointed one, a chosen one. And he, yes, his heel will be bruised. But Satan will have his head crushed. And along with Satan being crushed, evil will be banished. Justice will be restored. From that moment on, the sacred moment of childbirth had become even more precious as every man and woman longed for that anointed one, that seed of the woman, that head crusher that would arrive. So we light the candles this evening because the promise that God send or would send a deliverer and that promise to send a deliverer, it, it casts a small beam of light from that moment onward across all humanity and down through the ages. These lights symbolize that darkness will one day be destroyed and that man will be delivered. We long not only for Satan to be destroyed, but we also long for the evil that we know all too well to be banished, for justice to be served, for vengeance to be exacted, for the oppressed to be delivered. One particular moment that, that demonstrates this well was when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. They had left Egypt. They were at some point going to enter into the promised land. And as they wandered out there in the wilderness, a, a pagan man had been hired to curse the children of Israel. His name was Balaam. But as he, had went, as he had gone to do that, his eyes were opened spiritually. And as he looked from that mountain out, out across the sea of Israelites that were there encamped, this is what he prophesied instead. Not a, not a curse, but a blessing. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, Balaam, this is what he says. And he took up his discourse and said, the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. That's his preamble here. He, he claims that the Lord God has opened the eyes of this pagan seer He's opened his ears and he's caused him to fall down with his eyes uncovered. He declares that God has given him a special vision, a message. And in line with that first prophecy, he declares that salvation is coming for the people of God. And that one that's coming, he is the one that crushes the head of evil. He is the one that would rescue the people of God. And this is the body of that message. In verse 17, it says, Balaam says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. One would rise from the tribe of Judah and would destroy the enemy of God and the enemy of God's people. He was coming, but he had not yet arrived. Balaam could see him, but he wasn't quite there yet. This prophecy served as a blessing over the people of God, that people who longed for God to send the promised deliverer. 
In a temporary way, this prophecy was fulfilled by the great king, David. But it never lasted. The enemies of God and his people would be pushed back. They'd be destroyed for a time, and then they would rise up again and attack and oppress. David, although he was a type of a Messiah, he was never able to fully deliver God's people from evil. As a matter of fact, David himself, at a certain point in his life, gives himself fully over to sin and contributes to the evil that plagues the world around him. Maybe you can relate. There's always been a sense of searching for the Messiah among the Jews ever since Genesis chapter 3. There's always been a sense of searching in this world. We've always been longing, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Longing for someone to rescue us. Longing for someone to deliver us. Be it a political figure a member of our own family, or you yourself. Yet at Christmas, we're reminded no matter how we desire, pray, or long, we will never be the deliverer. We will never be able to rescue the people of God as God prophesied he would do. We've always been looking for one to banish evil, to balance the books, for one to protect the innocent and to redeem what was stolen. Even in your heart, you know that that's what you want. You want justice. You want fairness. You want peace. You want joy. You want hope and you want love. And yet those desires are unable to be fulfilled by yourself. Even the strongest of us, as we saw David, that great king, unable to deliver the people of God from evil and he himself unable to deliver himself. We need the light of God. We need the deliverer to come. We need Christ. The light of God in the face of the Messiah. We need that to shine on us and to deliver us. We look at the words of Scripture. We hear the prophecy of Balaam and we too say, I see him but not now. It gives hope. I behold him, but he's not near. Not yet. That prophecy, it leaves the meta-narrative or the greater story of history, it, it leaves the people of God in a place of hopeful longing, a longing that is not fulfilled yet, but one day will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In the first century, a Jew with that longing in his heart, actively looking for the Messiah, along with many, many other uh, Jews, he said this when he told his brother about the discovery that he had made in Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. In John chapter 1, verse 45, the word of God says this, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip says, we need not look any longer. He is here. He is come. The one who will crush the head of the serpent, the one that Moses wrote about, the one the prophets foretold and built upon, the one that Balaam saw, the one that would usher in peace on earth both between God and man. And man and man and man. 
the one who would bring justice, the one who would deliver us from our sins. All of that longing for hope, for love, for joy, for peace, they had all found their fulfillment in Jesus, the Messiah. He's the final messianic figure, the eternal one that needs not be replaced. They need not look for another. And so Philip, he saw the light of God in the face of Jesus, the Messiah, and along with many others, he was changed and he worked to spread the light of hope found in Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the Lamb of God. He has purchased our pardon by the shedding of his own blood on the cross. And I call you this evening, brothers, sister, friends, if you long for deliverance from sin in your own life, if you long for the sin to be delivered or be removed that grips your family, grips this nation of ours and the world, if you desire to have peace with God, then turn from your sin and call out to Jesus for deliverance. He is our Savior. He is our Messiah. If you hear nothing else said this evening, hear this. Because this is the main point of Advent. This is the main point of us gathering this evening. That because of Jesus Christ's coming, we can finally experience freedom from sin and its consequences. Because of Jesus Christ's coming, we can finally experience freedom from sin and its consequences. That is the greatest news of all time. It's the point of Bethlehem. It's the point of Calvary. And it's the point of Advent, even in 2020. Because of Jesus Christ's coming, we can finally experience freedom from sin and its consequences. That invitation is open to you this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that truth that we can be delivered. We can experience victory, freedom from our sin, and freedom from its consequences. That we can be united with you again through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Father, as we gather this morning, or this evening, and as we worship you, and as we go our way, would you not encourage us? Christ, would we see you clearly this evening? May you be glorified. We ask that these things be done in the name of Jesus and for his glory alone. Amen.